Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Bruni, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on, that works. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. It is first to go. Ball spotted just inside the 10. Algier in. Wilson faked it to him and keeps it. Zach Wilson, the speed, and he dives for the end zone. Touchdown. That's Austin Nate. Gibbs, who is probably going to be the best pass catcher out of the three. Now. He's going to get after it again. And look at the speed and the spark and the score from Gibbs. Just what Georgia Tech needed. That's Matt Bruning. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And it's Thomas Fields up to Kerry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Austin, you tweeted something, bro. You tweeted your running back ranking. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Ohio State fan talking there. Oh, shit. That is why you come to the Debbie debate. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Mace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that shook Sinatra's hand. That means it's time for the debut debate. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nace, and I'm Felix Sharp on a rusty version of tonight's show. Chris Olave returns to Ohio State. We discuss Brock Purdy and Charlie Kohler and how valuable is Justin Ross as a Debbie asset. But we start with the meltdown in Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt terminated for cause. Brian Niedermeyer, inside linebackers coach, terminated for cause. Sheldon Belton, outside linebackers coach, fired for cause. Niedermeyer was named 24-7 Sports Recruiter of the Year in 2019, his first full season as an on-field assistant coach. Eric Gray entering the transfer portal. Harrison Bailey rumored to be entering the transfer portal. Philip Fulmer, the athletic director, retiring. Lots of stuff going on there at Tennessee. Austin, what the hell? What the hell is going on? I'm here just for the McDonald's uh, cash memes. That's all I care about about this whole story. Uh, I've seen so many of them that it just cracked me up the past couple of days. Uh, so it it is a mess, and I feel like we get one of these every couple off seasons uh, from you know a different school. But this one seems to have like you know have the the most guys kind of leaving the school. So I don't know if there's even bigger stuff to follow. It kind of makes me wonder. Um, I think everyone's going to fixate on Eric Gray because he's the highest profile offensive player that's leaving. Henry Tooto is probably their, the best player that's left so far. Um, but but Gray, I, I'm interested to see where he goes. I think he can write his ticket pretty much anywhere he wants. There's very few schools that uh, wouldn't want him or that he couldn't go to and at least contribute right away. Um, I'd imagine he stays somewhere down south. I can't imagine him going, you know, West Coast, you know, USC or any of those kind of schools. Um, but I, I think that's the biggest storyline I'm following. But the other thread, which I think is even more bizarre, is the Harrison Bailey story. Because one of his parents, I don't know if it was his mom or his dad, that tweeted out like a week ago that they didn't go to Tennessee to go to Tennessee. They went there for Jeremy Pruitt, which 
is just the most bizarre like reason to go to a school ever because Pruitt like is not a proven head coach. He's not like some quarterback whisperer. He's just this like redneck guy that's a football coach who they've seemed to fall in love with. So I don't I I envision him leaving, and I think that's going to be more interesting to see where he ends up. Um, whether that's like Pruitt as a package deal, whether you know, I that's going to be a whole another mess. Uh, what do you what do you guys think about it? Jeremy Pruitt uh, was reading an article in the Athletic this week, and someone commented when he was hired that he will either have them in the playoffs in three years or in pro, on on probation. So they're on probation. Listen, uh, people who are listening to this podcast probably don't even know who T. Martin is, who Peerless Price was. Tennessee was good at one point, and they haven't been good in a very long time. It's going to be a long climb back up for that team, especially when they're losing these blue-chip uh, prospects. So uh, football is better when a school like Tennessee is performing well. That's not going to be the case, it looks like, for a very long time. So we'll see what happens with Eric Gray. We'll see what happens with uh, Harrison Bailey. Um, Austin, any thoughts on a landing spot for Harrison Bailey where you may like to see him, where you think he could go? Oh, man, I don't know. I think he needs to go to a school that – like he, he's not really that mobile. So I don't think he goes to a school that runs like one of those super modern, you know, uh, the quarterback, a bunch of design quarterback run stuff. Um, so I, I honestly – I haven't even heard any rumors about where he would transfer to. I, have you guys heard anything about that? No. No, no. Maybe, maybe we'll I, wait I, for his his parents to tweet it out I or mean, something. Since they Chris Moxley low key wants him to go to Michigan, I would hate that. I would I would happily get rid of Eric Gray. I mean, they did just lose Charbonnet. Uh, what about what about Bailey? What about Harrison Bailey, Bruni? Any thoughts on where he could land? Does it matter? Uh, no, I don't <laughs> have any idea where he goes. Right, uh, I mean, right. on, on Eric, I will say on Eric Gray really quick. If, if he does stay in the SEC, I don't really see a lot of open spots there either. That's going to be like, I mean, what Florida just got, what's his name from Clemson, Demarcus Bowman, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Out of the transfer portal. So that's not I mean, maybe LSU because none of those guys have really done anything that might be a good spot for him. But really, if, if he's staying down there, there's not a lot of open spots. Um, the biggest thing with Harrison Bailey is I, I wasn't that sold on, on Hendon Hooker going there anyways. I think that's going to hurt uh, Weidman's value there at wide receiver. I don't think there's really anybody else in that room that he affects. Weidman's really the only wide receiver worth talking about, right, guys? So um, I'll be curious. Uh, to- Jimmy, Jimmy Calloway, uh, Ramel Keaton. Those are the only other guys I can think of at the top of yeah, my head. I, yeah, I did forget about those guys. Those are really the only yeah. relevant guys. But with, with Bailey leaving, I mean, I just – I'm going to say one thing for Tennessee's program. I think this kind of sucks. I mean, it seemed a lot of people were very excited about this program slowly starting to build its way up and it is completely been leveled by all of this here in the past week. Well, we will see what happens there in Knoxville uh, as we go forward. Hey, listen, we need you guys to rate review and subscribe to the podcast. We're trying to grow this thing. So we'd appreciate your support. Let's make a quick turn to the Debbie debates. Austin, Matt, are we ready for the Debbie debates? Let's do it. All right. Ohio State wide receiver Chris Olave made the decision to turn Ohio State. Questionable decision, in my opinion. He already had first-round draft capital, or that's what you would be led to believe, with uh, many mock drafts putting him in the first, one of the best route runners in the class. I don't know why he's coming back. 
you ha- you're going to be starting a freshman quarterback or a first-time quarterback next year. I think that Ohio State is going to get popped in the Big Ten by by some team, and so I don't see them making the playoff. Even if they do, you have to believe that they're they're going to be uh, an early out, at least in my opinion, to an Alabama, to a, to a Clemson. I I don't understand this uh, decision at all. I thought that he would leave with Justin Fields. That makes sense to me. This is not a very smart decision, but give credit to Ryan Day for getting somebody like Chris Olave to come back to Ohio State. That depth chart is getting very, very crowded very, very quickly. We've talked a lot on this show about what that depth chart looks like, and Chris Olave not leaving really jams it up. Um, but, hey, give credit to whoever, whatever quarterback is going to be starting there next year. They're going to have Chris Olave. They're going to have Jamison Williams. They're going to have Garrett Wilson. They're returning all three starters uh, from this year. So we'll see what happens. Um, Austin, let me toss it to you. What are your thoughts about Chris Olave's decision to go back to Columbus? Well, I feel like it – I, I, I've been trying to figure out exactly why he did it. And I think there are four reasonable uh, kind of choices as to the reason why he came back. Uh, first is that he wants a shot at the national championship. Maybe I think that one might be the most likely of the four uh, because he's been so close. And the rest of that, like Ohio State's always going to be a contender, you know, whether or not they they do win one next year. You got to think if, if whoever steps in a quarterback next year plays well, they have as good of a shot as anybody outside of, you know, maybe Alabama again, because they're always just so, so loaded. Uh, second, that maybe he didn't get as good of a grade as we think he did, which I think is probably the second most likely one. I mean, we all assume he was going to be like a late first, early second guy, but if he didn't get that kind of grade from the the committee, then I can understand going back because next year is a thinner class, which is option number three, that he just thinks he'll do better next year in a class that doesn't quite look like it's as strong as this year. Or fourth, he wants to graduate which some, some guys do want to do that. I mean, and I can never knock a guy for just wanting to get that degree, especially I know a lot of these guys are like the first in their families to go to college to get it. So that matters a lot to them and their families. So I think it has to be one of those four reasons. Matt, have you heard anything about the specific reason why he's coming back? Yes, I have. It's the second reason. So it was reported on Tuesday that he got a end of the second early round three grade, which is not what we would have expected in talking about him. And I don't think he expected. He wanted to be a guy who could be a first round pick. And so I think that is the reason why he's coming back. I'm not, I can't put this on Ryan Day. And I, I'm not saying that you guys are saying this, but I really love the people on Twitter who are sitting there saying this is the dumbest decision he's ever made. It's his life. Let the kid make the decision he wants to make. Like, if that's what he wants to do, then let him make it. I, there's been a lot of narrative that he could do what Devonta Smith did. And, and what I mean by that is not come back and win a Heisman. I think it's all fair to say. And I think even Olave would tell you he's probably not going to win a Heisman next year coming back. But, if he's getting a late round two, early round three grade right now, if he comes back and produces in a full season, because he had a really good season, but we got to remember he only played six games this year. Seven if you count Clemson. I don't really count the Alabama games, so seven games. Uh, but if he goes back and plays a full season, they've got three really talented quarterbacks on that roster. If any of those guys comes out there and just plays – you know, at least decent. Olave is going to put up numbers. He's still going to be the number one in that offense. I think he can easily jump up 
his draft capital and two that back end of the first round because of what you just mentioned, Austin. There is not that that class next year is top heavy. There's not a lot of guys outside of those top guys. And this may be my bias and homerism coming out here, but outside of Wilson, I could easily see him jumping up over some of those other guys. I I think Wilson is the more talented player and the better player. So even if Olave comes out and has a phenomenal season, I don't see him passing Wilson as like the top wide receiver in that class. But Pickens has question marks about I'm sorry. Third, David Bell. My bad. Apologies, David Bell, if you are watching. You are phenomenal. I take that back. You would definitely be up there. But David Bell and Garrett Wilson are the top two for me. Uh, is it out of the realm of possibilities that Chris Olave could easily jump up to the third? And if that's the case, he could end up being a back end of the first round pick next year in the 2022 draft. Awesome. I've got two questions for you. One is how probable would you say it is for a for Chris Olave to improve his draft capital with the first time quarterback, and then two, how do you feel personally about a junior returning for his senior season and not declaring early? Oh man! So uh, regarding the second part of that, I don't have as strong of feelings on it as some people do. I know some people view that as like disqualifying. Like if you come back for a fourth year, uh, you like the NFL didn't like you. You were never good enough, and you you won't improve at all in that year or whatever to, to work your way back up their rankings. I, I, I sometimes like for your guys, I mean, guys develop at different speeds. Um, I know football is a little different. I grew up, I'm a huge soccer guy. That's like my big sport. And you find guys sometimes in soccer that become like some of the best players in the world are like 25, 26. And like nobody had heard of them before like 23. Whereas other guys like Leo Messi was like, you know, was like at 16 was like crushing. it. I know football is a little different because of the physicality of it, but some kind sometimes these guys just develop at different paces. So I, it doesn't necessarily bother me that much. I would have a hard time seeing him get any higher than like wide receiver four, maybe in my rankings. Like Matt said, I really like David Bell. I have a hard time seeing him jump David Bell. I know you said Pickens has question marks. I don't think he really has question marks. I think he's going to absolutely destroy next year with JT Daniels there. I, I think there's going to be like zero questions. He's the top guy in that in that that class. And then I don't think he hops Garrett Wilson. So I think at best he turns out to be wide receiver four. But if the NFL viewed him as wide receiver 11 or whatever, you know, this offseason, then that's that's a great jump. And you get to go back, you know, compete for another national championship in a place you're comfortable with, with people you're comfortable with. So I have a hard time saying it's a bad decision. Well, and even what Austin just said right there is is huge. He could, at least for Austin, jump up to wide receiver four. He's like wide receiver seven, eight for all of us right now. So that's still even a three or four person jump right there. So uh, again, uh, that, sorry, go ahead, Felix. No, I, you know, I, I have a question about whether or not he'll be able to do that with a first time quarterback. That's just my only question. Um, and regarding Ohio State making the playoff or the national championship next year, listen, if we have a full season next year, which I actually expect that we would, um, because we'll have adjusted by then, even if there are some still COVID protocols in place, they've got non conference games against Oregon, against Tulsa. They play Maryland and Purdue at home, and they play at Indiana. Indiana, a good football team. I think Maryland is next year's. Indiana and so that's a good football team also Purdue can surprise and again it's going there's going to be a first time quarterback as as good as we think that quarterback room is it's still going to be a rookie it's still going to be a rookie so you know <clears throat> Bruning I don't know if you have a response to any any of that but but I I, I I question whether or not he will be able to improve his draft capital given those circumstances <laughs> 
Ye of little faith. That's my response to that. Uh, I understand that all three of those guys are, I mean, technically Jack Miller and CJ Stroud were there this year, but they are technically, I guess for, they both played one. I think Miller played like five snaps and CJ Stroud played two, but they've been around the offense. They know it. You got to give Ryan day his props, regardless of the quarterback you throw back there. He's going to design plays and develop plays. Yes. They definitely have a harder schedule this year. Oregon, I think uh, Tulsa is going to be an underrated opponent for them this year. Had a really good defense this year. Not losing a lot of players going into the NFL draft either, so that's going to be a tough opponent for them. But with the way Ryan Day is and that offense, I think whatever quarterback they get back there is going to be able to sling the ball. And I think the biggest thing that helps Olave and that rookie quarterback is all the weapons I mentioned in my Debbie debate daily a couple days ago, they're loaded at wide receiver. So it's not like those best cornerbacks can line up against one guy. They returned a bunch of their offensive linemen. They had the number one rated offensive line class to begin with. They brought two of those guys back. They've got two five stars from the year prior coming in on that offensive line. They were the highest rated offensive line outside of Alabama. Their offensive line is going to be good. They're going to be able to protect the quarterback. I think Ryan Day with the way he moves and plans around his offense and the way he schemes things, those wide receivers are going to get open. And I think Colave is going to be able to benefit a lot from that because even with him coming back, I still think the guy everybody's going to look out for is Garrett Wilson next year. We saw him take another step up this year. I think if you go into spring and he continues to put up those big headlines and everybody talking about him, then they go out there in the Oregon game, Tulsa game, and Wilson's the guy. I think people will start paying more attention to him. You're going to have G. Scott Jr. just going off next year, which is going to take pressure off Chris Olave as well. JSN is going to be amazing as well. I think Julian Fleming will probably transfer. I'm just kidding. But anyways, I I think Olave, is he's going to have his work cut out for him, absolutely. But if he can go out there and produce again, like he did this year in a shortened season, like Austin just said, I I don't see any way his draft stock doesn't boost up, even if it's to the top end of the second. That's better than the grade he got, supposedly. Again, I, I don't know it for sure. I didn't talk to any NFL draft scouts, but... I heard some people talking about it on Sirius XM. Again, you guys know I talked to some people who work at Ohio State, and that's the same thing they told me as well, that he got a late second, early third grade. So if that gets bumped up to an early second, or late second, I'm sorry, even if it gets bumped up to an early second round grade, that's still better draft capital, better money coming in for him. And as you always like to say, Felix, secure the bag. This I don't see, unless he goes out and gets injured, there's no way that this works out bad for him. Let's dive a little bit more into that Ohio State wide receiver depth chart. Uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier in the season. Say again. I, was, I was joking. I was oh. making a joke about not wanting to hear the slander that's about to come this way. So no, no, no. I no, might no. just turn no the camera off and, and go cuss for a minute. No slander. Let's just let's just talk about it. So I, I we can now write in pen Chris Olave's name and Garrett Wilson's name uh, as starters next season. And then the question is, again, there's that's a team that starts three wide receivers. It's whether it's going to be Jameson Williams, Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigba or G. Scott. I, I don't know if it matters who starts between those three. What the headline is, is that uh, three of them are not going to be starters. And that's significant to me. I mean, you so in addition to Fleming, Smith and Jigba and G. Scott, you've got Emeka Ibuka, Marvin Harrison, Ju, Ju, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jalen Ball- Ballards coming in next year. There's one damn football. There's one damn football. So it does. It, I, yes, we can give credit to uh, Brian Hartline for recruiting these players, but that is a that is a um, uh, jammed up wide receiver room. Austin, let me let me toss it to you because you're the neutral party here. What do you think about the depth chart 
at all. Would you be worried about rostering any of these receivers that are not named Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson for fear that they're not going to play for another two years? Um, up into, So my my strategy with that kind of stuff has always been like if there's a bunch of guys going into one school at one position, like in a C2C, I, I, I avoid the situation entirely, especially more at running back than wide receiver because, you know, you can only have so many – you can have three or four wide receivers in the field at one time. You really only usually have like one running back, maybe two. But with the new waiver, like automatic one-time waiver rule, after I – think we're going to see a lot more of those guys move like we're already seeing this offseason so it doesn't bother me nearly as much i mean obviously the allure is like if for some of these guys as they're going to a high-powered ohio state offense and maybe like we saw mookie cooper like he's a good prospect but now he's going to missouri you know how how well is he going to do in missouri i don't know i'd imagine we see a couple other guys transfer this year um but it, it doesn't bother me as much as maybe it has in years past all right. Um, we can. Uh, we'll continue to pay attention to that Ohio State depth chart. I think it's one of the most interesting storylines is is how recruiting works and whether or not um, these highly touted players whether they get fed up with sit riding the bench for one year for two years and and decide to transfer to other places. All right, um, Matt. How do they how do how do they give the cash out at Ohio State? They don't do McDonald's bags, do they? No, they're smarter about that. Okay. It's usually just like slipped into the backpacks, into the locker rooms and everything. So, yeah, they're not. They don't need it, baby. National championships bring in money. Brian Hartline, when he gets you that first round draft capital, brings you that cash, baby. Straight cash, homie. You don't need. They don't need any of that stuff. Well, speaking of first round draft capital, Justin Ross was a very highly touted wide receiver at Clemson before he went out with the injury. And the last I heard when he was injured is that that was a career ending injury. And now he's returning to Clemson. It looks like he is going to be DJ Uyagalele's number one wide receiver next year. Austin, are you buying Justin Ross in C2Cs? Is he a tra- an attractive um, asset right now? Yeah, I am buying him everywhere I can this offseason. I already did it in one league um, in the program, right, Matt? I bought him in. Is that what's it the program? I don't know. None of our trades still have gone through, so I, I can't I, tell you. I did it on the after show one of these nights with Boz. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, 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 with Boz, yeah. 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 Um, because I think the like not only has the injury made him cheaper, but his sophomore year was definitely a step down from his from his uh freshman year. Um as a freshman, he put up um Oh, where is he here? He put up uh, 46 catches, 1,000 yards, and nine touchdowns. So he averaged over 20 yards a, a reception. It was a pretty pretty bonkers year, and I think everyone expected him to – to. he was the wide receiver one in that class going into that second year. Then he disappointed. He had more catches but way fewer yards. He had 66 catches, 865, and eight touchdowns. So his average dropped um, about eight yards per catch. Um, so I think that coupled with the injury has dropped his value to the point where I still think he can be like a top five wide receiver in that class. And I think, um, like they lose Powell and they lose Rogers and they lose ETN. Those were three of their top four receivers last year. The only other one coming back is Braden Galloway, who's a tight end. Um, and I think they're still going to throw with DJU there. I mean, we know what the succession plan is after Trevor Lawrence. We've seen the succession plan and it looks pretty good. Um, so I think 
uh, there is going to be a lot of room for wide receivers there next year to catch a lot of passes. I'm actually predicting stock up for like all those Clemson wide receivers next year. I'm buying yeah. Ladson. I'm buying Nada. Yeah. I'm buying Ross. I'm buying EJ Williams. I'm buying all of these guys because I think there's a potential for two or three of those guys to really have nice years and kind of shoot up some some boards and, and increase in value a lot. I'm right. I'm right there with you. If I could get Justin Ross on my team, especially considering what his value is today, I would absolutely get him. I agree with you that it's wheels up for those uh, Clemson wide receivers, EJ Williams and Justin Ross, and and it's going to be DJ really opening up that offense because um, I mean we saw it against Notre Dame; they were not afraid to use DJ Uyagalele as an 18 year old freshman, and he had he he has one of the strongest arms in college football that we've seen actually for some time. And you have got to go go back to Jamarcus Russell for how strong an arm um, DJ has, and he's going to have the weapon. You know, Powell and Rodgers they played well uh, last year. But you got to think a healthy Justin Ross, EJ Williams in his second year, that wide receiver core to me looks a little bit better. And you're going to have Shipley and whoever in the backfield. Um, so I'm definitely buying what at whatever pieces I can of Clemson's offense. I think Justin Ross is very attractive, um, especially, you know, you can get a piece of that Clemson offense and maybe at a cheaper at a cheaper value. Bruning, are you buying or selling um, uh, uh, Justin Ross? Yeah, absolutely. Especially as Austin mentioned, and you just mentioned at the cost that you can get him as if if he ends up not being able to play anymore, you did not lose out on much of anything. So I think the the potential for boom there outweighs the potential for bust. I, I I'm mostly excited to see what he can do this year. Obviously, the doctors I know cleared him. We'll see what that means. Obviously, I agree with you. We heard earlier in the year that it was career ending and. Maybe that had been the time to buy on because he'd have been even cheaper. But I'm I'm all in on Justin Ross. I think obviously having a, a quarterback like DJU is going to to be great for him. And as we've just been mentioning with Chris Olave in this class, there's a lot of room to jump up in there with those top guys. So if if Ross goes out there and has a great season, I still think NFL wise he'll be discounted because of the injury, and some teams will still be worried about him. But look what happened with DK Metcalf. He fell. Landed on the perfect team. Now the dude's an absolute stud in the NFL. And I know some of that was due to his poor free cone drill, but some of that as well was because of the neck injuries he suffered in college and teams weren't sure about him. If Ross can end up going out there and doing the same thing, it's going to be wheels up for that kid. I mean, he definitely, in my opinion, has the NFL talent. So if he's if he's healthy, then uh, then I'm all, all in for getting him. It's funny because I think he's, he's – he was – cheaper before but i think he's easier to get now and what i mean by that is i think when the news first broke it was hard to get him from people because they were like well i'm not selling him for dirt cheap i'd rather hang on to him and then if he comes back then i can sell him and, and avoid so so maybe you he's a little more expensive now but i think people are more willing to part with him because now we know he's coming back you know what i mean like they they feel like they're like being had less than they would have a few, a few months ago because I, I think some of it is they that nobody still knows what to think about it, right? So it's kind of one of those things, okay, well, they said he's coming back, so now I can. it's my opportunity to sell yeah. in case it doesn't work out. Let me give you guys a few veterans, uh, a few veteran-wide receivers, and you tell me in a C2C league, would you rather have this veteran or Justin Ross, okay? Yeah, that sounds cool. So, so uh, Michael Gallup or Justin Ross? Oh, oh that's tough. I'll go 
Ross, just because I think Gallup's upside is limited regardless of where he goes, but I do like Gallup a lot. Yeah, I would have to see where Gallup lands. That's a deal I might not be comfortable making until he has a free agency destination. But if he goes somewhere great, then maybe you can't make that deal anymore. So that's the the risk there. Uh, Tyler Lockett or Justin Ross? I'll go Ross because I'm not a big Lockett fan. I know he produces every year, but I feel like he's just way too boomer bust for me like he has those great games and then he gets you like four games in a row with three or four points it doesn't help you out I'll, I'll take ross oh yeah i'll say the same thing that's really really close that's really really close i mean that's what i'm that's what i'm here for that's what i'm here for <laughs> i can't really find another player that i can uh throw out there so um all right all right, all right let me let me give, let me give you one more high-end guy but a lot of injury issues what about odell beckham jr I take an Odell. I mean, that's the easy Are one for you? me. I was just curious. Yeah. Austin, you I'm taking. Odell. I'm taking Odell. That, that I believe. I believe in Baker Mayfield. I've talked about that earlier in the season. I called him a yeah. buy, and then after after that, he had a, a you know a really good season with Odell being out. I think that Baker Mayfield's growth this season is going to help him mesh with Odell Beckham next season. Um, it, it, be able to incorporate him into the offense more, uh, and I think that that's going to be a really efficient team there in Cleveland when you got Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham on the outside. You've got Harrison Bailey, not Harrison Bailey, uh Harrison what Bryant. Bryant. Harrison Bryant. Yeah, Harrison Harrison Bryant who we haven't seen the best of him and then you got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield. So, um yeah, give me oh, I think Odell Beckham Jr is, is is still a buy. So, give me Odell for me. That's not that's the easy one. <laughs> I think Ross has higher value right now, though. That's that, that's so why I don't. I'd almost be like more willing to like trade Odell for Ross and then like flip Ross for a better receiver. You know, like if we were just saying that that it was close. Like I think I'd rather have Michael Gallup or Tyler Lockett than Odell Beckham. So like if we were just saying those were close, then I guess I'll make that trade and then flip you know flip Ross for one of those two. Yeah, that's why that's why I brought him up because I know a lot of people are down on Odell because of the injury and there's obviously a lot of rumors that he might get traded from Cleveland. He may not be the the player we that he has been through most of his career up until the past couple of years. So that's why I thought I'd throw him out there. All right, let's move on to two other uh, Debbie assets who decided to return to their school. That's Brock Purdy and Char- Charlie Kohler. Uh, Matt Campbell gets a coop and getting those two back. Well, maybe not for Brock Purdy, but definitely Charlie Kohler. Um, smart decision or no, Austin? Uh, actually, Matt, let me start with you. Smart decision in in uh, Purdy and Kohler uh, going back to Iowa State. Uh, so for Purdy, definitely. Obviously, he did not have the greatest of years last year, and and a lot of people may not remember this because of how bad his year was. But a lot of people had him as like a top four or five quarterback coming into this year's draft class. Uh, and then obviously after, oh, I was right there with you too. Us, that's why I said that. I didn't want to throw anybody under the bus. So I was going to be like many people, but yes, I was one of them as well. Uh, and obviously, he did not play that well. Uh, again. There's a lot of questions about next year's draft class. If he can go out there and kind of show what he did two years ago, maybe he elevates that draft stock up a little bit. But I, So I think for Purdy is a great move. Kohler, I'm kind of indifferent on. Um, I know Austin's probably – wait, is it Austin or Felix? One of you is going to agree and one of you is going to disagree. I can't remember who it was. We were talking about this pre-show. Uh, I'm not as high on Kohler as some people are in in, in Debbie and in the NFL draft process. So 
him coming out, I was kind of like, okay, oh, well, okay, Chris Moxie, Moxley is apparently in on Kohler as well. I would not put him anywhere near tied into in 2022. I would easily put Jaden Weidermeyer and Jeremy Ruckert over him, and that's just the two I can think of off the top of my head. I just, I'm not that big on Kohler, so... You know, but definitely having him back with Purdy, you mix in Brees Hall. I mean, they've got a really good team. Maybe Kohler, same thing we talked about with Olave earlier, didn't get the draft, uh, you know, the draft grade he thought maybe he deserved or or wanted going into this year. So he decided to come back. But for me, I would the only reason I could see it and what Moxley is saying there is Kohler definitely has less competition to be a top tight end drafted in in the twenty two class compared to this year. You know, there were two tight ends that I thought had the potential to well, – well, actually, there was one tight end that I thought had the potential to be the tight end one ne- next season. And now um, with Charlie Kohler, I thought uh, – I think that he has the potential to be the, the, the tight end one in 2022. Um, but anyway, the the other player was Tommy Tremble. Tommy Tem- Tremble decided to declare. I like Charlie Kohler. He reminds me of Scott Chandler. Scott Chandler was a big, tall tight end who played for the Bills. And if you were a better – on a better offense, and he may have been a better a fantasy option. And that's kind of what I see from Charlie Kohler. Charlie Kohler is only 21 years old, so if he comes out this year, he comes out next year, he's still going to be a, a young player. And those tight ends, they I mean, they play well into their 30s. I do like Charlie Kohler because at tight end, what do you need to do? Catch a touchdown and fall down. And he can do that. He might be able to do a little bit more. Um, so uh, I'm, I, guess I'm, I guess I'm neutral on, on Kohler returning to Iowa State. I can't think of the who is the quarterback for Iowa State the the, the freshman um, Hunter, Hunter Deckers. Yes, Hunter Deckers. I think it's a bit bad for Hunter Deckers. I just drafted him in a C two C, and I thought that he might be uh, the starter there um, next year. But he, you know, he has to sit one more year. That's fine. Um, uh, that's fine. We get to see. Uh, Iowa State potentially they're going to go after OU again, uh, and so that's going to be an exciting game when, when when we get to see those two play again. All right, so I, we- I'm just going to oh, slot ahead. in here real quick because I I am way lower on Cooler than I think you guys are. He's my tight end eight right now in next year's class because, like you said, like all all he's going to do is catch the the ball in the end zone and fall over. I don't think he can do anything else. I don't need my tight end to do a bunch of yard after catch stuff or anything like that, but I don't think he shows like that much dy- like dynamism on the field at all. I have him behind Jalen Weidermeyer, Kate Otten, Jeremy Ruckert, Jaleel Billingsley, Sam Laporta. I'd rather take a chance on Grant Calcaterra. We haven't seen him in a year or two, but I think he his peak that he's shown is way better than him. Um, I'd rather take a chance on Baylor Cup, who we haven't seen in college yet, but I think has much more upside. And I'd rather have uh, Braden Galloway from Clemson. I think those guys are all more athletic than he is. I think they offer a lot more upside. Um, so I think that after, like the, the top of this year's tight end class is much better, but next year looks really deep right now, and I think it gets very muddled after it, it, it's it's just a it's a big puddle of guys that are all kind of the same but i think the other guys in that puddle offer a lot more out of the uh, like the out of what you want from a tight end so you meant you mentioned jaleel billingsley uh brandon lejeune friend of the show is very high on jaleel billingsley also i've seen him listed at 225 230 pounds yeah. austin do you think he's a tight end or is he a wide receiver Oh man, I don't know. The 
I'm not as high. Like I do. Yeah, Boz has him as tight end one here. Lejeune has him as tight end one. I can't go that high because I don't think he like he returns kicks. Like that's that's all you have to say about him as an athlete. Like he he is obviously a very good athlete. But if we're bitching about Kyle Pitts' ability as a blocker, like you are really going to bitch about this dude's ability. And I don't know. Like I think he has a lot of more frame to add some weight. But I'm not sure that's what they're going to want him to do at Bama because he that's not his game. So unless he has like a total like body transformation before the draft or whatever, or just drinks, you know, uh, uh, shake with like 12 eggs in it before before and after every meal. I know I, I I see the appeal, but um, it's I, I have a hard time believing that it, that he would ever hit that, uh, in my opinion. All right. All right. Anything else before we close the show with parting shots? Oh, that was a quick show today already. It was a quick show. Mr. Bruning, you have the floor. Oh, I didn't really want to go first. Okay. I have a prepared statement. Hang on. Let me get this ready here. So. He's got his note card. Hear the papers shuffling. I mean, it's like, is this a presidential debate? What's going on here? So obviously yesterday, was it yesterday? I don't even know. My emotions are all kind of out of whack here. We saw someone declare. Broke my heart a little bit. He waited to the last minute. Guys, I don't, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get through this, so just, just roll the tape. Roll the tape. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way. From where we began Oh, I'll tell you all about it When I see you again When I see you again Damn, who knew All the planes we flew Good things we've been through That I'll be standing right here Talking to you about another path I know we love to hit the road and laugh But something told me that it wouldn't last Had to switch up Look at things different See the bigger picture Those were the days Hard work forever pays Now I see you in a better place Ah, uh, how can we not talk about family When family's all that we got Everything I would do you would stand If you are listening on the podcast, you'll have to go to our YouTube page to check out Matt's tribute to both Jeremy Ruckert, Chris Olave, and uh, Justin oh Fields. You have, you'll, you'll have to check that out uh, on our YouTube page, which is on the Fantasy Roundtable 
um, uh, on the Fantasy Roundtable channel. But if you go to YouTube and type in Debbie Debate, our show should pop right up. Before we go to Austin's parting shot, um, we have to let the audience know that we got catfished. We got catfished by the winner of, of the jersey, uh, the the Kyler Murray jersey. Uh, at least it appears that way. Um, we reached out to this person, and they gave us an address that didn't exist when we tried to uh, ship the item to them. So we are, luckily for everyone listening, we and we didn't even let anyone know this, we are redoing <laughs> the jersey drawing. So, Mr. Bruning, I'm going to turn it back over to you, and hopefully we will get a live human person this time all right so if you put in a review so we capped it at 30 last time uh there were four more people that put them in uh, i just included you in here so uh, you should be thanking the person that catfished us because now you've got an extra shot at getting this uh so i've got all well technically 29 names because 30 doesn't does no longer exist so it is uh okay so how once I click this and show who you are, winner, reach out to Austin, Felix, myself, or at the Debbie Debate. Is it Debbie Debate at gmail.com, correct, Austin? It is, yep. Yep. Uh, just with uh, you know, your Twitter name. This is based on if you're on Twitter, your Twitter name or what the review is that you put under. I went through Apple iTunes, whatever you left is your your tagline for whatever it is on itunes that's what i put in here so just reach out to one of us uh and then we'll get in contact with you on what to do next please be real because this is i mean you know if it doesn't work after this we're just keeping the jersey at this point uh, we're not going to keep messing with it so the winner is that was really horrible uh drum roll by my hands there g crazy joe so g crazy joe congratulations you have won yourself a kyler murray jersey Actually, that was one of the more recent people, I believe, that put in on the thing. Still a little bit disappointed, not going to lie, because I wanted my guy Holmes to win. Holmes, where are you at? Holmes? Golly, no. Damn it. I was hoping you'd be too. There we go, Holmes. He almost made it, buddy. I still appreciate and love the <laughs> shout-out that you gave me, Holmes. I'm going to get you one of these, buddy, I swear. We're going to keep get, doing giveaways. The three of us have talked about doing it you know, a couple times. Uh, so, Holmes, I will rig one for you just because of the fabulous review you left me. All right. Austin, let's turn the floor over to you for your parting shot. I'm like so scarred by that video that Matt just showed. If you're if you just usually listen to the pod, you have to go watch this. Matt, could you have chosen any creepier <laughs> gifts slash like movie point. clips to put your face on? <laughs> that was the whole point. I loved it. I love the dance, oh. especially the John Travolta one. You know, the little bit of little peekaboo going down at the bottom of the screen there, the sweat. Oh, it was perfect. Perfect. It was, ter- it was terrifying. I'm not gonna sleep today. <laughs> All right, so uh, with the recent news that the NFL Combine will not occur as it typically does in 2021, uh, the concerns that the NFL can properly evaluate and vet incoming rookies grows in my mind. It is not the Combine alone that has begun to concern me, uh, but in conjunction with news of the cancellation of all of the collegiate All-Star games outside of the Senior Bowl, which scouts and coaching staffs consistently use to gain extra opportunities to work with some of these kids. It seems the players have also begun to recognize this with Alabama's trio of Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, and Najee Harris, all the most recent examples as players that were not initially committed to the Senior Bowl, but who will join in after all. These announcements have mostly been met with excitement from the online scouting community. 
I have always appreciated the Senior Bowl for what it is, a golden opportunity for unheralded or underperforming college athletes to boost their draft stock in a more professional setting. Jim Nagy and his staff have done a great job over the past few years of repairing the reputation of the game, which at one point was viewed as an afterthought by most. But with the recent addition of players that certainly do not fit the criteria of what we have come to expect from this prestigious game, in fact, while it looks like most of these players may have the ability to boost their draft stock over the coming weeks, they may do so at the detriment or expense of others. I'd wager that most teams have a good idea of the player that Devonta Smith is, for example, with four years of tape at Alabama, spanning three different quarterbacks, and with a multitude of wide receivers appearing alongside him. There is very little to glean from a week with Smith or at least certainly nothing that couldn't be understood after a 10-minute phone call with Nick Saban. I'll end my parting shot with a plea. For the sake of the other players on this roster, please do not allow Harris or Smith to play at this event and save some of that time for players that could actually benefit from it. Let them talk with scouts and coaches and maybe even participate in a few drills, but the integrity of the event as it relates to the player pool at large should be the number one priority for all involved. And the only way that integrity and spirit truly stays intact is by featuring the skills of those players that accepted their invites weeks ago and whose scouts may still have legitimate questions about. Not Eric Bieniemy, not Joe Brady, not Robert Sala. No, not even Robert Sala would take the Lions head coaching job. Sala is from Dearborn. That's where the Lions practice facility is. He started his coaching career as an assistant at Central Michigan and at Michigan State. When the Lions head coaching job became available, the Michigan State Legislature sent a letter to Sheila Ford Hemp asking her to hire Sala. You know, I think she would have obliged. I think she would have hired Sala, but the Lions are the worst franchise in the NFL right now and one of the worst franchises in American sports. How do I know? Because Robert Sala chose the New York Jets over the Lions job. Now, I don't know whether the Lions offered the job to Sala, but you have to believe they did. But he chose the Jets instead. So not Eric Bieniemy, not Joe Brady, and not Rod Robert Sala, but Dan Campbell returns to Detroit after being with the team as a player from 2006 to 2008. Yes, that 2008 season where the Lions went 0-16. With several key players entering free agency and Matthew Stafford preparing for his sixth head coaching change, you have to believe that his time may be coming to a close in Detroit. So like it or not, Lions fans, but the, lo the long road to rebuilding has only just begun. And I'll, I won't tell you it'll be easy, and some of you won't make it. But in the end, the likelihood is it's still probably going to be pretty bad. That's going to be our show for tonight. You can find our written content at Dynasty Nerds. Mr. Bruning has been setting up draft rookie profiles. Check those out. You can email the show at Debbie Debate. Follow the show on Twitter. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama.
and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races! Nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards.